Mike here. I know, I know, I've been busy. I was doing the Joe Pag show most of last week and a couple of Philly radio shows, so I have neglected the podcast because those shows would podcast the coverage I was doing. I hope you figured that out. If not, I apologize, and we'll try to be a little more, um, I guess, energetic. But, you know, doing six shows in five days gets a little exhausting. You know, so I'm here, though, today. And uh, glad you're here as well. You should follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to find out where I'm going to be. And that way you'll know what's going on and how you can find me in different places. But that's all water under the bridge right now. What's going on today? Well, a lot. A lot, but Donald Trump's not getting arrested today. It's probably going to be next week. And I had planned on going to New York if Donald Trump were to be arrested because I wanted to cover it. I wanted to be standing on the steps of the Manhattan courthouse to make sure I was there to capture it with video and whatever else I could do. So if it's next week and I'm able to do it, I will cover it. Stay tuned. Uh, before we get into this day's news and today's interview with the great Jim Stovall, which has a wonderful connection to today's history. Yeah, we're tying in today's visit with uh, Jim Stovall to a, a major moment in history in the past 50 years. You'll hear. Let's look at this day on this day back in the day in 1788, a massive fire destroyed almost all of the city of New Orleans. And, and you pretty much never hear that. That's a, that's a story we hear about the Great London Fire, the Great Chicago Fire. What the hell? New Orleans is a terrific town. We should hear about that. But no, next time I'm down there, I'm going to see if it's, uh, it's memorialized anywhere in monuments, etc. stories. In 1804, the Napoleonic Code is approved in France and Think what you will about Napoleon. This was a big change in terms of personal property and ownership and stuff like that. It's, a, it's an important deal. In, um, in 1963, Alcatraz Prison closed. The Alcatraz Island off the, uh, off the coast of San Francisco, which was the maximum security prison of all maximum security prisons before any of the supermax prisons, it shut down. Now a tourist attraction. I need to go there and see it, but I, I don't really want to visit San Francisco until they wake the hell up and stop all of the insanity that's going on in that city. You know, for years they screamed about, oh, we have to defund the police. We have to defund the police. Now they have more than 500 cops in deficit, meaning they, have, they could hire 500 cops today. And that would just break even to what they need. And you've got Democrats going, you know, uh, we need to spend money on the police. Well, you took $100 million away from the police department and you wonder why people are robbing. Uh, CNN, a CNN crew covering the crime in San Francisco during the day the crew was held up. That tells you how bad it is. Anyway, Alcatraz uh, Island in 1963 closed on this day. It's now a tourist attraction. Maybe 
maybe when uh, San Francisco gets its act together, um, I, I will go back. Not right now, though. No, not yet. It used to be a great town. Had uh, so many terrific restaurants. And it's close to wine country. So you could fly into San Francisco and just bounce out to wine country, and that's a good thing. Uh, on this date, in uh, 1984, a part of Central Park on the west side was uh, renamed Strawberry Fields for John Lennon. And if you go there, there's people always showing up there. It's not quite like the street crossing at Abbey Road in London. But uh, people do regularly visit Strawberry Fields to remember John Lennon. Kind of a cool thing. In uh, 2020, in COVID history, we keep doing this because it was three years ago this month, COVID became a massive thing, a pandemic, if you will. Three years ago today, the UK closed all the pubs and bars. The US-Mexico border was closed. Uh, I wish we'd pretend that COVID was the thing again and closed the damn border. And New York City buses, they were free. Uh, but the big story, and this relates to our interview coming up later in the show, on this date in 1980, President Jimmy Carter announced that the United States was going to boycott the Moscow Olympic Games because of the Russian invasion of Afghanistan. And that was a big stinking deal. And then four years later, Russia gave us the finger and said, we're not coming to your Olympic Games in Los Angeles. And our friend Jim Stovall, well, he has a story from that. So we will, we will share that with you. Uh, in, in the news today, and there's plenty of it, aside from Donald Trump not being arrested yet, I think it's next week. How many people are telling us that if and when Donald Trump is arrested, and it sure looks like that's what the left wants to do, that it's going to be a massive help for Donald Trump? It's going to pretty much assure that he will get the nomination for the Republican presidential spot and, uh, and, and then have to face whomever, because I still don't think it's going to be Biden. But uh, Elon Musk said it will guarantee a Donald Trump landslide in 2024 and um, last night in washington dc i don't think there's audio of this because they usually tell everybody no cell phones at these events chris rock held forth he's on tour right now chris rock was uh talking to his fans at a concert event in washington dc nancy pelosi was in attendance several members of the biden cabinet i'm sure and chris rock warned about arresting Trump, saying it's just going to make him more popular. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Looked at the people in the audience. Are you guys really going to arrest Trump? You know, it's only going to make him more popular. It's like arresting Tupac. He's just going to sell more records. Are you stupid? Well, the last question, yes, the answer to that is yes, they are stupid. So that happened last night. And um, as I said, there was, uh, there was drama in D.C. yesterday, too, at the White House with the cast of uh, Ted Lasso showing up. The cast of Ted Lasso, comedy show Ted Lasso, which, uh, frankly, the first season, the best season, it fell off the beam after that. Uh, you might watch it. Good for you. But I'm not. The cast of Ted Lasso showed up at the White House, had an audience with the president and the first lady 
to talk about mental health and what a crisis mental health is in this country. And I say to you, duh. A giant duh. And then, of course, they took them downstairs to the press briefing room to parade them around in the press briefing room. And, uh, and, and all hell broke loose when this um, African reporter, Simon Ateba, who never gets called on by Jen Snarky, not Jen Snarky, by uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. KGB won't call on this guy. And uh, it's because he's not uh, liberal. He doesn't follow the agenda. But it, it really got a little kooky, especially with the cast of Ted Lasso standing behind the press secretary as Simon was cutting loose. Yeah, right. You're right. You're here for me. Refer me. No, 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 no. No, that's not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. You've been discriminating against me and discriminating against some people in the briefing room. And I'm saying that this is the U.S., this is not China, this is not Russia. This is not Russia. Okay. What you are doing, you are making a monthly of the first amendment. It's been seven months. You've not called on me. You've not my messages. I'm saying that that's not right. That's not so Simon keeps saying that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And he's right. It's not right. But Corinne Jean-Pierre, she kept going and tried to make this a thing and tried to, uh, I guess, explain it away. She had to be embarrassed in front of the cast of Ted Lasso. Fun times. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. Okay. Are we ready? Are we going to behave? While many folks... Decorum, please. Sorry to our guests. We apologize. Yes, I apologize. Okay. I apologize. So some of the other members of the press are saying, oh, sorry to our guests. We apologize. Shut up. Yeah, this is the warts and all of the American free press. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And the, those, those members of the free press uh, apologizing? You're as bad as the harpies on The View. After that happened yesterday, the ladies on The View had to weigh in. They played the clip and then had their attack ideas ready to go after Simon. <laughs> so, I mean, this may be one of the reasons, because he does this all the time. This may be one of the reasons she doesn't call on him, because exactly. he can be combative. But is he a troll, or is he? does he have a point about being ignored at the briefings? Now, I know she doesn't decide who sits there, but she does decide who to call on. I don't so think that's he's a serious question. guy. In 2013, he wrote an open letter on his blog to Nigerian actors saying that a topless scene she was in was offensive because, quote, you are really not attractive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unquote. He's not a serious journalist. Well, he also... He not a serious journalist? Joy? Hmm. He has degrees in journalism and mass communication. And uh, he has been attacked by pirates in the Gulf of Guinea, had an AK-47 held to his head, arrested in Cameroon, kept in a dark cell during an investigative story, kidnapped in Nigeria, left for dead but survived. Yeah. He's a journalist. You found one story to mock him. 
But wait, there's more from these harpies. And to Tucker Carlson right after this, so that tells you where he's at. Come I mean, on. I, I think he's, he's conference. clearly a, a horrible person and, and maybe shouldn't be in the White House um, a briefing room. However, he does have what's called a hard pass, I yeah. believe, which means he doesn't have a, a seat assigned. So when other people don't show up, he gets to ask questions. Oh. Um, he is with... Oh, like uh, at the Emmys and the Oscars. Basically. He's a filler. Filler. So, uh, Standby line. He's a seat but, filler. But in my view, um, and he reports on relations between Africa and the United States. It is a global economy. He hasn't been called on apparently in seven months. If you're going to call on Ducey yeah. from Fox News, which is just infotainment, then you should call on him, on him as well. Yeah, maybe. I, I can't I can't play anymore from these people. They're just so irritating. They're not fair. They're not balanced. They're only there to diminish anyone who is a conservative. I feel bad for this guy, the chaos in the briefing room. But, you know, God bless him for standing up and airing his grievances because she won't talk to him. Yeah, I, I do think if you're going to call on Ducey, you've got to call on Simon. Does anyone not remember Jim Acosta? Did we forget Jim Acosta and how rude he was in the briefing room? Hmm. No, it's funny when it turns the other way, isn't it? Speaking of the briefing room, yesterday, uh, retired Admiral John Kirby was up there answering questions about uh, Xi Jinping going to Moscow to meet with Vladimir Putin. And... uh, he took a question from Peter Ducey, speaking of the deuce. Do you think that Putin and she fear President Biden? You'd have to ask them whether, whether they fear or, or they fear not. That? It is not about fear. It's Good. about President Biden advancing our foreign policy goals around the world. It's about President Biden revitalizing these alliances and partnerships. It's about President Biden and what he's doing to preserve our national security interests around the world. That's what we're focused on. Are you? Is Joe Biden focused on that or is he focused on how much money he and his family got from China and Russia? Because we need the answer to that, too. And, you know, you know, the answer, China and Russia and Putin and she don't fear. There's no fear of Joe Biden. Because he's a clown. While those two were meeting, discussing the state of the world and a new alliance, a new axis of evil, if you will, with Russia and Putin and Xi and China making this big connection with their assistance in Iran and North Korea, we were hosting the cast of Ted Lasso. We were hosting a Persian group because yesterday was a Persian holiday. And uh, Joe had to stand up and say some some things because, you know, he's a big student of the Persian culture. What a liar. You know, the Persian culture is amazing. As a student of the Persian culture, not a practitioner, but a student. What does that even mean? You're not a student of the Persian culture. But meanwhile, Putin and she are meeting for four hours yesterday, and they met again today, and they announced that Vlad will be coming to China, to Beijing, for another meeting. They're doing, you know, a home and home. Is anybody worried 
And we have all the other problems we have. We have the economy. Yes, inflation is still a big stinking deal. We have the border. We have the opioid crisis. We have crime in the cities. 19 people shot in the streets of Chicago over the weekend, last weekend. I told you about the CNN crew that was held up daylight while shooting a story on crime in San Francisco. Is anyone paying attention? Well, I guess it's important to talk about uh, mental health. Why? Why is it important to talk about mental health? Well, Joe Biden, prime example, could be the poster child. Or is it John Fetterman, Senator John Fetterman, who hasn't been in the office because he's been hospitalized for mental health and depression for over a month now? And there are reports that say if you're in the hospital, if you're in the care of professionals, for more than three days for depression, it's because you are a serious suicide threat or you're incapable of taking care of yourself. So what the hell's going on? The information's being withheld from us, both on Joe Biden and his cognitive state and on John Fetterman and his state as well. And meanwhile, as I said, you've got the world leaders who are our our biggest adversaries who are meeting and they've got Kim Jong-un overseeing simulated military nuclear attacks on South Korea. We'll see what happens with Trump next week and we'll see if anything comes out of this, this new alliance between Putin and Xi. The other story out of Washington, D.C. that did make me laugh, though. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton were attending a Broadway show and someone pooped in the aisle right next to their seats. Now, how does that even happen? If you've ever attended a Broadway show, the theaters are really crowded. It's very cramped. That's why we never went there, so to speak. In 20 years, I think we saw four Broadway shows in total. And it was never a fun experience because it's always cramped. But I don't understand how somebody who has Secret Service protection for the rest of her life, Hillary Clinton... How does a person get near her inside a theater and crap right next to her? Is anybody paying attention? Is anybody doing their job? All right, before we get Jim Stovall in here, I want to play you three clips that are just remarkable. These are three clips from three movies that are telling us that we should have been paying attention that we should have been paying attention years ago because entertainment was trying to predict the future. Entertainment was trying to warn us. And in in one case, there was a movie uh, that came out in 1994, so almost 20 years ago, called PCU, Politically Correct University, and it stars Jeremy Piven, who's actually a pretty good, pretty great actor, if you saw Entourage or any of the uh, shows that he had on, on PBS, there were some, some beautiful shows on PBS. The guy's a great actor. But he was, I guess, just breaking in and doing anything for money. He did this movie called PCU, Politically Correct University. This clip was a warning to what was coming on college campuses. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? 
politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. And if you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. Now, this is uh, Jeremy Piven's character walking a freshman around campus to show him what's going on. And he's walking out in the quad, and there's little groups of students gathered. Tell me this wasn't a window to today. We have right to. See these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Free Nelson Mandela. They freed him already. What? Then they stop, and Jeremy Piven spots a group of women who appear to be decked out in uh, camouflage, military-type stuff, but, you know, T-shirts. It looks like they might be uh, radical leftist women. Those women? Those aren't women, Tom. Those are womenists. See the one in the middle? On the blonde hair? Yeah. She's looking at me, isn't she? Kind of. What, would you know her or something? Hey, Sam, isn't that the guy that you used to... uh... So this cute woman among these really rough-looking women apparently used to date Jeremy Piven's character. And he's coming over. And this happened. Yeah. You went out with a white male? I was a freshman. Fresh person, please. Please. Go talk to her. What's the problem? Watch this. He's coming over here. Sister, from a walk! No, you don't have to do that. Wow. Hi. How you doing? Uh, is Sam in there? In there? What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, cock man oppressor. Uh, thank you. Maybe one of you could just tell her that Mr. Pokey stopped by. So he walks off after saying, please tell Sam that Mr. Pokey stopped by. And then the women confronted one of their own. What the hell was that, Mr. Pokey? I think he meant his phallus. Uh, you participated in a phallus naming? No. No, I have no idea. You stay away from him, Sam. He's an animal. Now, that is totally what it's like on a college campus today, based on everything we've seen on all of the campus websites. We are now living in politically correct university. It's right there. And I have, uh, I have another one to play for you. I said three clips, three uh, showbiz clips. This happened decades ago. This happened when Monty Python put out The Life of Brian. This was a scene in Monty Python that predicted the madness about gender, gender identity, and the insanity about pronouns and men identifying as women. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. Okay. Okay, one of the male characters says, I want to be one, which would have been funny enough. But the guys from Monty Python, again, decades ago, like four decades ago, took it even further. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. 
Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies! Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Now, it, it goes on and on, but this is so accurate. <laughs> it's frightening. And the final, the final scene came from... Uh, the campaign. And I have to give Benny Johnson a hat tip for pointing this out. And earlier we talked about Joe Biden and how he was saying that, yeah, he's a big student of the Persian culture. He, remember he said that he was raised in the Puerto Rican community politically. He talked about how close he's been to the black community, the Jewish community. Uh, this was a, uh, a program called The Campaign. And this could have been Joe Biden, could it not? nation's security has never been stronger because our troops and our veterans are this nation's backbone because farmers are this nation's backbone schools is this nation's backbone audio installation specialists and window tenters are this nation's backbone because filipino tilt-a-whirl operators are this nation's backbone Yes, amen. Pay attention to the media. It can see into the future. I never thought life would imitate art to this extent, to this detail. All right, tomorrow, big news tomorrow, we'll have Dr. Roizen and a Wellness Wednesday segment. Uh, but right now, we have to talk to our friend, Mr. Jim Stovall, on the Pure Opelka podcast. I look forward every single week to my conversations with Jim Stovall. He's an inventor, an entrepreneur. He's a philanthropist. He's just a, a remarkable brain. And uh, if you're lucky enough to read Jim's books, which I encourage you to do, or see him speak in public, you are a, uh, a very fortunate person. But we get Jim every week because we talk about the Winner's Wisdom column that Jim writes. And he's joining us today. Uh, Jim, I, I want to get to today's column, but... Is it okay if I if I go back in time with you just a little bit today? Yeah, the the, the way back device here in uh, back in time. Okay, so we'll plug in the way back machine to a very different time when our president was uh, Jimmy Carter, and it was uh, the time when Jimmy Carter announced to the world that the United States would not be sending an Olympic team to Moscow for the 1980 Olympic Games. And I know uh, young Jim Stovall was one of the people affected by that, the weightlifter who wanted to be there. Jim Stovall, how did that feel? Well, you know, it's, it's fascinating, and uh, it almost seems like another person. But uh, as a young man, my only desire in life was to be an All-American football player and then go in the NFL. And during a routine physical, I was diagnosed with a condition that would cause me to lose my eyesight and a little quick research told me there's no uh, blind guys in the NFL so I wasn't sure what I was going to do and then I discovered Olympic weightlifting and I thought you know I could do that even if my sight was fading and uh, 
So, uh, you know, I started in uh, AAU competitions, and I became the national champion for my uh, weight and age and size and continued to compete. And, you know, in, in, in that sport, there's nowhere to go other than the Olympics. And, um, and the Russians are, are and were everything then. I mean, uh, the great uh, Olympic lifter, Vasily Alexiev, maybe the greatest weightlifter there ever has been. And, and uh you know, and uh, and then all of a sudden we were told, uh, pull the plug, we're not going. And it was just hard to believe. I mean, it just uh, it's like uh, somebody called off uh, the 4th of July or something. I, I just couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, what does this really mean? And uh, several of the uh, members of the team talked about going to uh, Canada or other places and competing. And, uh, uh, you know, the word kind of came down that... Uh, if you leave, you may not come back. They were not kidding about this and wanted to make a statement. And, uh, wow, then that held. And then, you know, I continued to stay in shape. And I thought four years later, the uh, the Olympics were in uh, Los Angeles. And I thought, what a great deal. And then, but uh, in retaliation, uh, the Russians didn't come to our Olympics. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, in that sport, uh, if the Russians aren't coming, um you know, there's really not a lot to compete for. It's not. It's not a serious Olympic Games, and so yeah, it, it was. It was a devastating thing. And you know, the the sad part of it is, um, you know, it was Carter's uh, uh, impetus for that was the fact that the Russians had invaded Afghanistan, and uh, certainly geopolitical things happened. But the Olympics have always been on a higher plane, and uh, and I think should remain there. I really, really do, and. Uh, and uh, I I don't think it did anything, and and I think had we gone, I think there could have been uh, potentially some good to come out of it. But uh, I I love the international competition where the world comes together, uh, you know, in peace and competition and camaraderie, and uh, you know, and uh, to to make it a uh, political pinball, I think is is always a mistake. It's um I I agree with you on that. You would hope that that the the competitive field of athletics could be above the politics. And we see that continuing today. And in many cases, you know, we talk about boycotting China when they're hosting the games. We talk about mm-hmm. the, the penalty of taking a major nation out of that international competition. It is economic, but it also has a deep effect on the individuals who work all their lives to get there. Uh, did you guys, because it was so close to the time, did did the Olympic team members already have their uniforms, for example? Uh, yes, yes, and uh, and they were still sorting out who would be in what and all that sort. So it kind of caught a lot of us right in the middle of it. Yeah, it was a tough situation, and uh, you know, and what was ironic about it was uh, a couple years later. Uh, Ted Turner, you know, put together the Goodwill Games, and and there were other opportunities to compete against the Russians and the Soviet bloc countries, and you know, and then when you really meet those guys, you know, you you realize we're just guys. I mean, you know, I I remember one of them asking, you know, why do you all want to kill us? I, we don't want to kill you. I don't, you know, I and no no, you know, in and after a couple of days, we were talking about you know competition, and then the the universal language of young men we're talking about girls and that that was pretty much it you know and and it was amazing how much we had in common uh, it's uh, it's such a great story 
and I appreciate your sharing it with us. I, um, I hope we can straighten stuff like this out in the future. And, and innocent victims, which is what the Olympics were in this case, innocent victims in 1980 and 1984, and, and the people who were trying to live their lives to compete on that level were the ones who were really hurt by this. Although I, I think Jim Stovall's done okay. Since that setback, you know, Jim, uh, just doing a basic assessment, I think you're doing pretty good. Well, I've been very fortunate and, uh, you know, and I appreciate that time in my life and being able to do that and uh, learned a lot. I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, life's not always uh, what happens to us. It's what we do about it. And uh, and what do we do next? Well, you're a great example of that. And uh, speaking of that, learning a lot, this week's Winner's Wisdom column deals with a topic that a lot of us think about in a negative fashion, procrastination, but you also found a really interesting positive spin on this. Well, the you know, the, the price of procrastination, and there's two ways you can go with it. You can, uh, you can make a decision too late, or you can put something off until doors start closing and you lose opportunities, or you can pull the trigger too quickly before you have all the information. And, and that's just as dangerous. And so what you need to do when you're looking at what to do, how to do it, where to do it, who to do it with, the big question is often when. And I, one of the great things about living here in the 21st century is it, it, it's Star Trek. It's amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I was so amazed with this story recently. NASA discovered there was an asteroid the size of a of an NFL football stadium and it was coming our direction now it was never going to hit us it was not but it was going to come relatively close to us and they decided this would be a great time for an experiment uh and so could we divert something that big out in space if it were going to hit us to an extent where we would be safe so Seven million miles away, we fire this rocket 10 months before it gets here and divert this thing just a fraction of an inch, but it was enough that over the ensuing 7 million miles, it, we could have diverted it more than enough to, uh, to not hit us. And I thought, what an amazing thing. But the lesson here is, had we waited a couple of months we couldn't. We could not have changed it. It, it. There was no way we could have changed that, and did that at all. And I will never forget the, the interview. One of the scientists. They said, "What was your your, your primary goal?" And he said, "Well, initially, it's a uh, kind of like a doctor. Do no harm. This thing wasn't going to hit us. You don't want to redirect it the wrong way, and then we've created a problem for ourselves." But um, but you know, it, it, it's amazing we can even think of doing something like that. You know, particularly at a point in time where we. We don't seem to be able to fill the pothole at the at the end of my street, but we can divert an asteroid the size of a stadium seven million miles away, yeah. and uh, and I, I just I find it amazing what we can do. Well, Jim, we have to we have to wait to fill that pothole until there are enough cars in there, so we won't need much asphalt. You know, just cover it, them it, up. Exactly, or I—I I was thinking at one point this asteroid might do the do the trick if it would just go right in there. But you know, I—you I, know, when you see stuff like that happen, and 
you know, and you think, if we can do that, I, I wrote a line in one of my uh, books that was made into a movie, and Brian Dennehy delivered it so masterfully. Uh, you know, he, he was, had this young man, this rich billionaire kid that had to build a fence on a farm. And at the end of the summer, he looks down this fence line, and there's this beautiful fence that goes off into the distance, and he's looking at it. And he said, don't ever forget a man that can build a fence can do anything, you know. Well, you, you, you look at, you know, if you can hit an asteroid 7 million miles away, what else can you do? I mean, man, that opens a lot of doors, and uh, it's amazing what we can do when we want to. It, well, therein lies the truth. It's amazing what we can do when we absolutely want to do it. But I also think you brought up a really important point in this week's column, Jim, on procrastination, and that is the ability to understand the the key moment that you have to make a decision whether if you wait longer you're going to miss other opportunities or if you go too soon you're going to miss other opportunities therein lies uh, much of the important decision making about when timing is always important uh, and right now, what you should do is go to jimstovel.com and sign up for the Winner's Wisdom column. And it shows up in your inbox, email, free every week. My friend, thank you for sharing the story about 1980 and especially this week's column. I appreciate you. Talk next week.